please turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. We have been doing a series on living separate to the world. I'm going to, first of all, read verses 15 through 17 to get us going. The Apostle John writes there, and he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Some very powerful verses here. And one of the things that I want to point out very quickly is in Revelation, we, we first of all read in Revelation 14 and verse 8, where the Apostle John was writing, and I believe this is where he got his inspiration to write these verses from. He says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen. So remember the world is the Babylonian system, that world system, amen, that is in rebellion toward God. And it's not everything in the world, it's all the things in the world that are in rebellion to God. Amen? And so, making reference to that, it says there again, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. But when we read in Revelation 18 and verse 21, we find something else there. It says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone, I'm in Revelation 18, 21, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down. So, what we find out is that this system is fighting against God, and it is going to take, basically, an act of violence from God to forcibly put it down. Amen? And that tells us something as well, that in our lives, we need to have that kind of attitude towards this system and towards all the things that it comes against us with. We need to, with violence, put it down. Amen? That's the reason why we have the Word of God and why we, you know, we need to be um, speaking the Word of God and, and declaring the Word of God against those things that are coming against us and not just roll over. Amen? And I think that's, that is a key thing here. And also now that also allows us to understand why the Apostle John says, don't love the world. Because you are loving something that is coming against you. And that you have to come against yourself. Are you all with me? So some really key thoughts here. And, and that's the reason why we're looking at this first sentence so closely. I mean, every single one of those verses has so much in them. And so again, let's go back to verse 15 where uh, the Apostle John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Let me just say this. When we read in 1 John 2.15, notice the Apostle John says, you, can I just add the word you in there? Okay, He's saying you make this choice. You need to make the choice to not love the world. When he says do not love the world, he's saying you do this. See, he can't force you to do it. And he can't you know, make a commandment and sort of say, I'm making a commandment, now you have to do it because it's a commandment. Like anybody does that stuff. <laughs> okay? Doesn't matter what you say, man. At the end of the day, there is one thing that is sovereign, and that's your will. You choose whether you want to do something or not. Amen? Whether you're going to follow after God or follow after the things of the world. Now we see an excellent example of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he, it's a very sad situation. We see the Apostle Paul having made the decision to follow after God. But one of his co-workers, by the name of Demas, I think that's how you say his name, 
didn't. And so we find in 2 Timothy 4.10, he says, Demas has deserted me because he loved this world and the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Now I have combined the New International Version and the New Living Translation because it is such a complex statement. And you need two versions to actually bring out everything that it's saying. Amen? And so in, in reading it that way, you get an idea of actually what's going on there. Because some versions pick up on one thing, other versions pick, on, pick up on the other thing. But putting it together, we get this statement that Demas has deserted me because he loved this world and the things of this life. This world and the things of this life. The Apostle John said, don't love the world or the things in it. Amen? Alright, Jesus fully understood the dangers and the pitfalls of trying to live a life of compromise. And that, that, that's really what it comes down to when people start to try to do both. It is a life of compromise. And we have to really be careful that we are not compromising even on the slightest level. You know, we do that here and there. And there is a difference between tolerating something and compromising. Do you understand? You know, we, we tolerate a lot of things. And, and we're meant to because love is kind and love is patient and so long-suffering and all those wonderful, yummy things. No, <laughs> okay, all right. You know, sometimes you think, really God, okay. But, but, you know, we are meant to love people. We are meant to look past their faults. And, and even when they're really worldly or backsliding or anything else, if you're not there, then who do they have? So, you know, we need to be there for people. And, but we must not allow them to influence us. We need to be the influencing factor in their life. And not telling them off. Are you all with me? Okay. That's, that, that is not the influence I'm looking at or talking about. It is, it is doing the right thing in front of them. It is demonstrating a godly life in front of them. And allowing them to see how you handle things uh, without choking it down their throat. Amen. And give them some wisdom through that. So that they can get a handle on what they need to believe in or, or, or something that will help them uh, deal with, this, with the situations in their life. Rather than going after the world and looking at the world to help them, that they start looking to God to help them. Remember again, we have always have this choice. We always have the choice of either going you know, after God or allowing God to help us, or going after the world and allowing it to do its thing. Now, we, we've come to a scripture that is key here, where Jesus says in Matthew 6.24, Remember again, the Apostle John said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Jesus now brings this out in a very interesting way. He says, no one can serve two masters. For some people that think they can maybe do it, Jesus is going to clear this up. Amen? He says, for you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now let me share a little bit here on this in relation to do not love the world and the things in the world. Okay? Jesus says here, first of all, it's an impossibility for you to sell out from your heart. See, you can, you can work for things and give your best to things. But there's a difference between that and giving your heart to something or someone. Are you all with me? Okay, because your heart will belong to either God or this world. It, the, the reason you can't have one or the other is because of what Jesus is bringing out here. He tells us something very interesting. See, a lot of things that we go and look to God for, we can do it with money. I mean, if we had loads of money, you know, we'll be able to pretty much do it. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm trying to say? We won't have to believe for hardly anything. 
Okay, now there are limitations, but you know, money can open a lot of doors. Are you all with me? Okay, so this is the reason why Jesus is bringing this out now. He says, listen, there is something in this earth, and the system in this earth that the devil has developed is based on finances, is based on money. See, that's the reason why it is such a powerful thing that the Bible says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. As much as they're laying it up, you can have it all. Okay? You just need to trust him, not the wealth. Because if you go after the wealth, it, it will take everything from you. And at the end of your life, you won't have very much to show for it. Because it will demand time from you that you should be spending with your spouse and your kids and all these other things. It will demand that you give that time. You know, you better do this over time. You better do, you know, and uh, there are seasons for things, but you don't take a season and turn it into a lifetime. You all hear what I'm trying to say? Okay. And some people, that's all they do all their life. Now, you know, please don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. You know, you, we may be going through seasons, I'm going through a season right now, where it's taking a lot out of me and I'm having to do a lot of work. But again, you know, that's, I know that's a season. Amen? And there's going to be a time when I'm, I'll, I'll be able to step out from that. And I'm looking, I'm looking for that time, but I'm doing this in God as I'm led by the Lord. As opposed to people out there that are being led by money. Do you see the difference? Amen. And so what they do is they compromise everything for that because, you know, promises of, of promotions and pay rises and everything else. And like I said again, you know, if, if God is there and God is doing that, it's one thing. But if you're doing that and God is telling you to do something else, here it is, okay? Listen, this is, this is it. If God is telling you to do something else and you're fighting that, then you have chosen the money over God. This is no longer God blessing you through that position. This is you separating yourself from God in order to get money from that place. Where God is saying, trust me, I'll look after you. See where it's, This is why he says you can't serve two masters. Now, this, the other reason why he's saying that is this. Isn't it very interesting that... Uh, let me do it from a positive, then go to the negative. Okay? From a positive side, because we're led by the Spirit of God, when things come against us, when things start to uh, entice us, all right, and draw us and say, oh, you can do more. Just don't go to church. Don't go to, you know, whatever. You know, that, and don't spend so much time in your Bible and stuff. Let's just, this is not, you guys never do this, okay? All right, okay. But there are people out in the world that do this, all right? And just, just keep focusing on this because you know what? This is how you get your Ferrari. This is how you get your, you know, big house in Malibu or wherever, okay? And, 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 and so it, it's a huge draw. And so what happens is that we just go, no, in the name of Jesus, we come against all of that stuff because God said He will meet all of our need according to His riches in glory. He has proven that over and over again. So I don't, I'm, you know, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. See how you do that? Can I read that now? For you will hate the one and love the other because you're hating that and you're loving God. You will be devoted to God and you will despise that thing that's trying to drag you away from God. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Now that's you guys. Now this is not you guys. Let's flip it. Alright. So <clears throat> you're in this job and you're trying to get there. You know, you want to be a millionaire by 25. You know, whatever. You know, you know, the people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so you want to get to that place where you just want to retire at 25 and live on your yacht. You know. And so you're going to just give yourself. You forget about all this church business and stuff. All they do is take money from you anyway. And so you're going <laughs> to... Come on, alright, okay. So you're going to go this way. And so you have God going, you know, knocking on your heart and going, <clears throat> What about me? 
And you go, you know what, I don't want, I don't need you, God. Can you just stay out of my life? I'll come back to you at 25. You won't, by the way, okay? Because you'll get into a habit. I reckon Demas was like that. He was thinking, you know, I'll just swing this and see how we're going. After a while, the world will just pull you in and you're gone. It's like a black hole, man. Just you know, Anyway, so, <clears throat> so God is coming and knocking on the door of your heart because God won't leave you alone. Now I'm talking about Christians, okay? God won't leave you alone because He loves you. And He's got a better plan for you and He can see that this will lead to destruction. This is not a good end for you. All the things that you think you're going to get, you're going to lose. And in fact, you might get money, but as Jesus said, you know, what does it profit a man who might gain the whole world and lose his soul? Amen? And so, he'll come knocking on the door of your heart and saying, don't forget me. You know what will happen? This is what's going to happen. The person will start to hate that more and more. Because when, when you stop listening to God, then God sends people across your path to say, you know, I, I, I'm concerned about the direction of your life right now. And, you know, that maybe you're giving too much to blah, blah. Well, you know what? Mind your own business. Can I read the verse? You will hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. Get it? You'll start despising God. You'll start despising all the people that try to, you know, trying to get involved in your life and tell you what to do. Are you here? And in doing that, you are showing where your love is. And Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't. And then he identifies those two. He says, there is God and there is money. You, and you know, mon, that's actually not the word for money. It's actually mammon, which is a, the, the God of the world and its things. Can I say that? Okay, that is the God that promises you. It is that system that promises you if you do this and you do that and you get there, you know, really quickly and blah, blah, blah. Have you noticed some of those stuff that doesn't really work? It takes more from you than what it gives. You know, there are a few things. And it seems like, you know, people are almost lucky when they get there. It's not God's, God's that is God's blessing on their life. Or there is some sort of demonic activity because this person is useful to the kingdom of darkness. They'll push them along. But can I say this? Whatever they do, whatever they take, whatever they make, all of that gets left behind when they drop dead. And also it's a miserable life. And you know, that's why the Bible says that to the, to, uh, the righteous that he will add wealth and won't add sorrow with it. He will bless you. He will increase you. But he won't have any sorrow added to it. Hallelujah. See, that's how God wants to bless us. He wants to give us everything. And that's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. Amen. So that you have a full and and vibrant relationship with God. And you're rich. (laughs) Okay. And remember, it was for your sakes that he, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. All right. That's the world and the things of the world as opposed to God and His blessing on your life. Are you all with me? And so this is one of the things that Jesus is bringing out here and what the Apostle John means when he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Are you getting a clearer picture of this now? Amen. All right. This now leads to the second part of 1 John 2.15 where the Apostle John goes on to say, he says again, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father... 
is not in him. He says, so number one, he's saying, don't love the world or the things in the world, because if you do love the world, then the love of the Father, now the love of the Father is the love of God in your heart, because the word here is actually agape, it is a God kind of love. Alright, and so he, what he's saying is that when you start moving in that direction, that, that love becomes distorted and messed up. And you start loving all the wrong things. Also, that love can be turned against God. The very love of God that is in you can be turned against Him. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what it starts to bring out. Where he says, you can't love God and the world at the same time. Which means there is a problem there. You can't use that love both ways. Are you you're with me now? Are you getting this? So that love is designed to go one direction. No, that's, that's not the singing group. Okay. <laughs> All right? Okay, it's, it's designed to go in one direction, not in two directions. Because you can't divide that kind of love. Hallelujah. Because each one requires you to be fully devoted in order to receive the benefit from it. God requires you to be fully devoted. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. The world says, no, you, you better give up on all of that nonsense, and do this, and then we'll make you rich. So there is no middle line in this. Are you all here? Okay. <clears throat> Colin G. Cruz writes, In the present context, it is clear that the love of the Father, now he brings one of these things out, means the believer's love for the Father. Because it stands in opposition to the believer's love for the world. What the whole conditional sentence conveys then, is that if people love the world, they do not love the Father. It's a one thing or another. Simon J. Kistemaka says this, John stresses not that a Christian separate himself or herself from the world, rather he says that a believer should keep himself or herself from a love for the world. Are you getting this? The reason being that love for the world and love for the Father cannot exist side by side. You cannot love both at the same time. Because a sinful world stands diametrically opposed to the Father. You getting all this? Okay, I pray that I've, I've explained all that so I don't have to go back over this. So that's exactly what John is going to bring out in the next verse when he says uh, in, in 1 John 2 and verse 16, For all that is in the world, and he lists it all, is not of the Father. Amen? So he, he tells us something. He's saying don't love the world because everything that's in it is not of the Father. The whole system is not of the Father. And remember we looked at uh, Ephesians 6.12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood we, but against principalities and powers and rulers and all that sort of stuff. Amen? And remember again I said that not, not everything in the world is evil. So the things that we're talking about are the things that are opposed to God in this world. Are we good there? Okay. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Thomas M. F. Johnson says that the Apostle John finishes verse 15 by stating the fundamental incom incompatibility of both loving God and loving the Satan-controlled world. Notice Satan-controlled world, that part, okay? One cannot do both. To love the world is to be uh, devoid of love for the Father. The writer leaves no middle ground. Authentic love for God and worldliness cannot coexist in the same person at the same time. Did you get that? By this strong antithesis, the elder challenges his readers to purity of life. That's why I said, you know, this isn't talking about everything in the world. This, these are talking about those things in the world that promise you all kind of wealth, but you've got to compromise your morals. 
Are you all with me? And you've got to do stuff that's not so legal. Amen? Whereas God's way is always the righteous way, if I can say that. Okay? Alright. Abraham's nephew Lot. Remember him? He's an example of this. In Genesis 13, 12, after he separated from Abraham, it says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Remember again, they had too much stuff. Okay? And uh, in fact, let me just read in Genesis 13, verses 5 and 6. It said there, Now Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. What an amazing problem. Okay, it's like we got so much stuff, we need a bigger house, you know, okay, that sort of a thing. All right, and I mean, they were so blessed, and Lot was being blessed because of Abraham. Remember again the, the, the story of Abraham, God told Abraham, you go by yourself, you leave everybody behind, and you leave, and I'll tell you where to go. And what happens, and it says, and Lot went with him. And now that was outside of God's will, and that's going to cause all kinds of problems. In fact, throughout Abraham's life, and even after Abraham, because of what happens to Lot at the end, which is a very terrible end, uh, you know, when he's, uh, he not only loses his wife, he not only loses you know, the city that he was living in, his home. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> okay, was destroyed by God because it was so sinful. And he tells us, in fact, in Genesis 13, 13, it says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. This is not a city you move into. Okay? So, you know, we, we, we find Lot, obviously, he's compromising. Obviously, here's a believer that decides, well, you know, it doesn't hurt to look. Have you heard that one? Yeah, that's okay. That's all you're doing. If it goes beyond that, then it's okay, not okay anymore. Because remember, Jesus said, if you, you know, he said, if you look to lust, remember we talked about the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh. You know, you can look to things. You can look to cars that people have. You know, people always think of adultery. Hey man, there's a lot of stuff you people just look at and they want that. There are some people, money dictates where they live. Money dictates what they drive. Money dictates how they feel about themselves. Don't ever let that dictate any of those things to you. You'll be led by the Spirit. And if God says, this is what you... Then that's it. That's, you know, be happy, you're happy. You're, stay there. <laughs> okay? What do I do with the rest? Ooh, here's a new thought. Give. Wow. That's a shocker, isn't it? Then I think that's where the problem starts. When people get stuff that doesn't belong to them anymore. And God's using them as... Trying to use them as a steward. And they start hanging on to it. And then it starts to drive them in directions where it's going to cause them grief and problems down the line. And then God will stop giving to them because they're not letting it go. Are you all here? Okay, I don't want to go into that because that's a whole other sermon and series. Anyway, back to this. So let me just quickly give you a snapshot of Lot. So again, we see Lot, first of all, that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And over time, his attraction to this city grew. And when we get to Genesis 14, 12, it says that he, he and his family were actually living in Sodom. It says literally he, he dwelt in Sodom. All right? And as a result of living in this wicked and sinful city, the Bible tells us that he not only lost all of his possessions. Isn't that sad? All the stuff that he had, he lost. Do you know why? Because certain kings declared war with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and some other kings. And they lost, okay? Because it's such a sinful city. God can't bless them. And so these kings came in and they they took Lot and his family and all the possessions. 
Now Abraham went and got it all back, but you know, you don't see that anymore. You know why? Because even when Lot got all that back, he didn't move out of Sodom, he stayed there. You'd think the guy would learn, but he didn't. See, this is, what, this is the hold that money has on people, that a sinful life has on people. You know, they just can't give it up. They think, oh, they can balance this. You can't balance it because it demands too much of you. And so even when they rescued and brought back, he goes back to living in that city, a city that was going to be destroyed by God. Remember that the angels had to basically drive him and his family out. And only his daughters went, they were married. But the husbands didn't go. Why? Because they were all tied to that sin and that city. And so Lot had to leave everything. The city was destroyed and so was all of Lot's wealth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Anything that you do with the devil, you're going to lose. Amen. Because the judgment of God will fall somewhere on those things. Are you all here? And so he loses everything. And remember again, he's a very sad ending because you know his daughters have kids with him. Which is horrible. And the, the two tribes that come from that are a pain to you know, Abraham's descendants from then on. Which we won't go into right now. Okay. So accordingly, the Full Life Study Bible says here, it's, it's so correct when it says... Loving the world defiles our fellowship with God and leads to spiritual destruction. It is impossible to love the world and the Father at the same time. To love the world means being in intimate fellowship with and devotion to its values, interests, ways and pleasures. It means taking pleasure in or enjoying what is offensive and opposed to God. And that certainly was the case with Lot. Amen. We're going to leave it there because we left it there this morning. And uh, we'll pick this up next time when we go on and look at uh, some of the terms in there about the world and, and what it actually means. Because there are things in the world. You know the mountains and the oceans and the forests. They're beautiful things. Those are not things we, we have to worry about. <laughs> okay? It's all the system. So we'll go and look at all of that next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for this word and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, insight and revelation that you're bringing to us. And we thank you, Father, that we understand how easy it is to compromise a little bit here and a little bit there and lose our way. And so, Father, we make a decision right now in the name of Jesus not to do those things. Where the littlest things, Father, we just rebuke them, we just come against them. We are devoted to you, God. We reject all the other things. And Father, we just thank you that as we stand on your word, as we commit to you, as, as we sell out to you, as, as our heart is turned toward you. We just thank you, Father, that you promised us that you would bless us, that you would look after us. And Father, you would do so much more than just look after our needs. Father, you said that the wealth of the sinner has been laid up for the just. That you will actually extract the finances out of this sinful world and bring it into our bank accounts and into our lives so that we can start helping other people and do the right thing with the money in the name of Jesus. So we just thank you, Father, that by faith we receive that right now. And we thank you for all the giving that we do, Father, that it is recorded in heaven. And Father, that that opens the door for you to begin to bring the things in to our lives that we need. And Father, unlike the world and its, its promises and, and people just walking in the dark not knowing what they really want, when we look to you, Father, you bring things into our life that have something to do with our actual, our future and our destiny. Hallelujah. So that everything that you bring to us has meaning to it. 
And it's not only a blessing to us now, but will be a blessing to all those around us as well. Hallelujah. And so we just thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, Amen.